God is good all the time. Like all the time, he's good. Like not just when things are going good for us, is he good? Like even, even when things stink, like he's good. Even when we're going through like rough times in our life, our God is good because he's faithful. He doesn't promise that everything's going to be a bed of roses. It's never promised in the Bible. In fact, if there's anything that's promised, it's that if you follow Jesus, it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. But God is good because he will be with you. In the good times, he will be with you. In the really, really tough times, he will be with you. Why? Because God is good. You know, our, uh, we've had a couple of people here in this last week who have lost some loved ones. Kaz and Marie and, and Donna just uh, lost her father yesterday. And, uh, you know, what I love about GT is, is GT is a family, and we're people who love each other and surround each other and encourage and support and pray for and hope and believe with each other. Because as Scripture says, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. It's hard to go through life without the support of a good family. It's hard to go through life without the support of a good church family. And, and, and I want to tell you, if you're kind of new with us, if you're checking us out, if you're, you're in the middle of a family, that's, that's where you're at. I had, a, I had a friend of mine visit us a couple weeks ago, and if there's one thing he said, it's like, man, like, when I was there, it was just, it just felt like it was a big family. Family is important, aren't they? You know, how families are related to each other are important as well. And how families are related to each other can be fascinating to some people. And, uh, and if you talk to Miss Jean, she will tell you that her husband Dan used to spend hours and hours and years and years tracing his family tree, tracing their ancestry, tracing their roots. Because knowing where you come from or knowing where you came from is incredibly important. It's, uh, it's why the doctor asks you certain questions when you go visit him. Is there any heart issues with your parents? Is there a history of high blood pressure? Is there mental illness that runs in your family? And there are some cultures that trace their ancestry differently than, than what you see in the U.S. Smith and I, we're, we're from a state called Kerala in India, and some families in our state chose to take their father's first name for their last name. And other families chose to take their father's last name for their last name. So my dad's first name is actually Varghese. My dad's last name is Thomas. Meanwhile, Smith's last name was the same as her 
father's last name. But in, in Kerala, you're not necessarily known by your last name. So if you meet somebody who's from Kerala, there's a couple questions that you normally ask. You usually say, hey, what town are you from? And then you ask them this question, what's your house name? And if you can figure out those two things, you can figure out the genealogical roots of who your family is. And for a lot of our African families, it's kind of similar. You're, you're known by your tribe, not necessarily by your last name. My, uh, my mom is amazing at understanding relationships. And she can be in a room with some people from Kerala who she's never met before. And bef by the time we leave, I'll find out that I'm eight cousins to everybody in that room. <laughs> and my oldest daughter, Allie, she shares this same trait of understanding relationships and being interested in relationships. When she was four years old, she used to love helping us in the kitchen and one day she was helping me make some dinner and I was going to marinate some chicken. And so I told her to go watch some TV so that I can finish up. And um, she says, but dad, I just, I just want to help you with the chicken. And I said, no, it's okay. Go, go watch some TV while Zoe's sleeping and taking a nap. And Ali says, no, but I want to help with the chicken, dada. And I said, no, I don't want you to play with the raw chicken. And so she says, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to get married. And when Zoe grows up, she's going to get married. And I'm going to have kids. And Zoe, she's also going to have some kids. And those kids are going to be cousins. <laughs> and then you and mom, you're going to be their grandparents. And so at this point, I'm pretty impressed that she knows how everybody's related to each other. And I'm also thinking that she's about to put me in a nursing home if I don't help her, <laughs> have her help me with the, with the dinner. So this is what she says. She says, you and mom, you guys are going to be their grandparents. And dada, I just want you to know that all the kids are going to be playing with the raw chicken. <laughs> she gave me permission to tell this story. I, she wanted me to know that, hey, listen, things are going to change. Not just now. But from generation to generation to generation, things are going to be different. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 3, verses 23 to 38. This morning we are continuing with our series in Luke, and we've made it all the way to the end of chapter 3. We've talked about the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus, and we talked about the public dedication of Jesus at the temple. You remember that we talked about Mary and Joseph and how they lost Jesus? And then we fast-forwarded some 18 years, and John was preaching repentance in the wilderness, and he baptizes Jesus in the Jordan, and the heavens open, 
And God the Father speaks and he says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this is where we pick up the story. So buckle up because there's some exciting stuff right here. Verse 23. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. And he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mattath, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, Jenai, and Joseph, the son of Matthias, Amos, Nahum, Esli, Nagai, Maath, Matathias, Semyon, Joseph, Jodah, the son of Joan, Resa, Zerubbabel, Sheltiel, Neri, the son of Melchi, Adai, Kosum, Elmadam, Ur, the son of Joshua, Eleazar, Joram, Mattath, Levi, the son of Simeon, Judah, Joseph, Jonan, Eliakim, the son of Melia, Mina, Matatha, Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, Salmon, Nashom, Aminadab, Ram, Hezron, Perez, Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, Terah, Nahor, Serug, Rug, Peleg, Eber, Shelah, the son of Canaan, Arphaxad, Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lemach, the son of Methuselah, Enoch, Jared, Mahaliel, Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. I know what you're thinking. That's some exciting stuff. Right there. I mean, when's the last time you did your devotions in the genealogy sections of Scripture? I mean, I'm telling you, even I wanted to skip this section and this portion for obvious reasons, but I believe that the Lord wants to speak to you even in the most boring parts of Scripture. You know, when you look at the genealogy of Jesus, there are some names that ought to jump out to you. Nathan, the son of King David, the son of Jesse and Obed, and the son of Boaz, the son of Jacob and Isaac, the son of Abraham and Noah and Adam. I mean, there are some great people in this list, some great men, some powerful men in this list. And here's some important facts because of these great men. See, the Messiah had to come through the line of Abraham. The Messiah had to come through the line of David. And so these were some checks that had to be made if someone was going to claim that they were the Messiah. And so this genealogy includes some great men, and it proves the validity of Jesus' claim that he is the Messiah. It proves the validity that Jesus has claim to the throne. And so I want to ask you this question this morning. What does your lineage look like? I mean, maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you have a strong lineage. Maybe you have a lineage that's filled with greatness. Men who fought in the war. Or men or women who, who were doctors or lawyers or teachers. Maybe you have some people in your lineage who were politicians 
or world leaders or tribal leaders or, or policy makers or emancipators or some type of heroes. But I also want you to know that if you look closely at this list, you'll also notice that the list includes some great people who were known for some not-so-great things. Adam, right? I mean, you know his story. He ate that fruit, banished from Eden, ruined everything for all of us. Noah, he gets drunk, then he does some shameful things. Abraham, Abraham laughs at God when God said that he was going to have a son in his old age. And then there's King David. King David has an affair with a married woman. And then he sets up her husband to be killed in battle. And then there's this other major problem. See, one of King David's descendants, his name is Jehoiachin, he's cursed probably for nothing that he did on his own, but something that his father and his father's fathers did. They were evil in the sight of the Lord. They failed to surrender to God, and they just wanted to live out in sin. And because of that, Jerusalem falls to Nebuchadnezzar, and Jehoiachin's father, Jehoiakim, he's killed. And so Jehoiachin takes over the throne, and because he's on the throne at the time, Jeremiah comes over to him, and this is what he says to him. He says, no man of Jehoiachin's seed shall prosper. No one will sit on the throne of David. No one will rule anymore in Judah. That's a major problem. Both Matthew and Luke present this genealogy. But what we read in Luke is actually Mary's genealogy. Scholars think that Mary probably didn't have any brothers. And so her father adopted Joseph into the household. Because Heli is Mary's father, not Joseph's. And so the way that the Jehoiachin problem is solved is that Jesus is born to a virgin named Mary who has direct roots to King David. The problems that we're seeing from generation to generation are solved when Jesus enters the lineage. See, this is a list of people who are messed up. This is a list of people who were in need of a savior. This is a list of people who were in need to change the outcomes of their destiny. And what I love about this family tree is that at the end of this list, there is Jesus. And he is about to fix the problems that exist with the current state of this broken up messed up family. There are some of you here this morning who, when you think about your lineage, when you think about your family tree, it's a mess. 
And for those of you who have a wonderful lineage, I'm sure it's not as clean as you think it is. There might be divorces that have broken families apart. Cheaters, liars, addicts, men who abandon their families, alcoholics. I mean, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's just depression that lies in your lineage. Maybe there's poverty or homelessness that might run in your family. But this morning, I want to encourage you because none of those things need to define you today. You are not defined by the sins of your parents. You are not defined by the labels that have run through your family history in the past. Because your father or your grandfather or your great-grandfather had some issues or some terrible sins, that doesn't define you. And if you know Jesus this morning, and I, then I want you to know that you are not defined by the sins of your past. And if you have asked Jesus into your life and into your heart, then I want to tell you, quit walking around as though you are defeated. Quit walking around as though you've got nothing to live for. Quit walking around as if there is no hope. I'm going to tell you, Scripture says this, the curse of sin and death has been broken at the cross. So if you live for Jesus, then you are not defeated. If you live for Jesus, you are not defeated. No, you are victorious in Jesus' name. If you live for Jesus, then the trajectory of your future generations has already changed. So you and your future generations are no longer on this path to destruction, but the destiny for your future line is headed upwards on this path to life. Why? Because Jesus is now in your lineage. There's a lot of us who make this mistake in how we define ourselves. Some of us define ourselves by what we do. I'm a nurse, or I'm a teacher, I'm a laborer, or I'm, a, I'm a driver, I'm a union guy, or I'm an IT professional, I'm, I'm in management. What defines you? Is it your family tree? Is it your family heritage? And that might be, that might be a great thing for some of you. You might be heirs in your in your culture groups. You might have some great people who were doctors and lawyers and teachers, people who did some great things, but I'm here to tell you that doesn't define who you are. I'm going to ask Tim to come as we begin to close this morning. Smith and I were talking last night and she was saying that how you think about yourself greatly affects the perception that your kids have about themselves. Have people labeled you incorrectly? Have you labeled yourself 
incorrectly. If you walk defeated, your kids will walk defeated. If you don't get help for the sins that you may be involved in, it will affect your future generations. If you don't surrender to Jesus, it will affect your future generations. If you don't live wholeheartedly for Jesus, it will affect your future generations. Have you bought into the labels that the enemy has presented to you? Maybe you've labeled yourself as stupid or weak or as a mistake or forgotten or an addict or a loner or ugly or unlovable or lost or broken or maybe you've labeled yourself as unworthy. And this morning I want you to know that that is not how God sees you. He doesn't look at you like you're stupid or, or weak or poor or lonely or unlovable or unworthy. But when you give your heart to Jesus and when he looks at you, he sees the person that you are. He looks at you and he sees beautiful. And he sees a person who's being made whole. And he sees somebody who's being made new. And he sees strength in your weakness. And he sees a plan and a purpose. And he sees meaning. And he sees the apple of his eyes. And he sees somebody worth dying for. In fact, he sees you and he looks at you as a child of the one true king. What would happen if you shed the labels that wants to find you? What would happen if we took those negative labels? What, do we, what would happen if we took those labels off of ourselves and started living in the victory that we have in Jesus? What would happen if you would walk in that victory? What would happen if you walked into work? Or what would happen if you walked into school? This week, not as a defeated follower of Jesus, but as a victorious follower of Jesus, what would happen? How would your life change if you let Jesus wash you from your sins? What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. Your purpose would come to light. Your mission would become clear. And your worship would go deep. your eyes closed here this morning. Some of you here this morning, you need to make a decision. A decision that that's going to say, like, from now on, things are going to be different. Things are going to be different for me and my future generations. with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Some of you have been walking around with these labels that are wrong. And you're having a hard time peeling those off. And this morning, you need the help of Jesus to peel those off. Some of you, I watch you walk in and out of these doors and you walk in defeat and you leave here in defeat. You are not defeated. 
Some of you, the history of your lineage is terrible. It's awful. It's riddled with sin and wickedness. Because of Jesus, things can change. Some of you, when you look at your life, you might be on a path of destruction. I want to tell you, you need Jesus to clean up your mess. So this morning, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart or into your life, and you want to live for Jesus, you want to know the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness and the peace that's available to you, you want to change the trajectory of your, of your future generations, and I invite you to pray this prayer in your heart. Or maybe you've asked Jesus into your heart some time ago, and for some reason you walked away from him. And this morning, you need the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus to wash you and cleanse you. I invite you to pray this prayer in your heart. I'm going to ask the prayer team if you would come forward as we pray. Dear Jesus, I don't understand all of this, but as, a, as much as I know how, I open my life to you. Jesus, I need new hope. Jesus, I need new direction. Jesus, I need new strength. Jesus, I need you to help me peel off these labels that are wrong. Jesus, would you forgive me for all of my wrongdoings? Forgive me for looking in all the wrong places. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. And this morning, I thank you for loving me. So today, I sincerely come to you, and I say, come into my heart. Make me a new person. I want to live for you from this day forward. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?